From the Bent Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, a weekly podcast talking about the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. With that guy, I'm Frank Mayer. He's a two-time UFC heavyweight champion, current Bellator heavyweight competitor, and my name is Richard Hunter. I don't have any of those credits, but I got yeah, some other ones. I like the other ones. I mean, you know, the Naga Silver Medalist, Thank you. Funniest Man. Thank you. You're my go-to guy for almost every time I go to make decisions now. Thank you. There's that. <laughs> most of the time. Sometimes I don't tell you. <laughs> I don't want the disapproving older brother look. <laughs> uh, do us a favor. If this is your first time listening to Phone Booth Fighting, don't let it be your last. Subscribe to Phone Booth Fighting via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Phone Booth Fighting will be there. Phoneboothfighting.com is our website if you'd like to support the podcast. And we certainly appreciate your support because that's how we keep it on the air, on the Internet, uh, for that matter. Do us a favor. Click through the Amazon banner on the front of Phoneboothfighting.com. Why would you do that, Frank? Well, it's an easy way to help us out of the show. By doing so, any of the shopping you're going to do on Amazon, uh, a small percentage of your purchases come back here to help us out the show at really no extra cost to you. That's it. Can't be any easier than that. We've also got the uh, store up. You can get your official Phone Booth Fighting merch at phoneboothfighting.com. That's another good way to support us. And above and beyond anything else, if you just tell a friend about the podcast, pass on the good word. If you know a friend who's a fan of mixed martial arts or maybe just good conversation, tell them about our weekly podcast and uh, look us up in iTunes and click on those five stars. That helps uh, keep us at the top of the ratings and rankings. We would appreciate it. And with that, that on with the show frank uh ufc where are we 235 i think 235 is uh uh nigh upon us here in las vegas we've got uh not one but two titles on the line so we'll be uh talking about that i also had a phone conversation speaking of those uh uh two titles being on the line had a phone conversation with the welterweight challenger, Kamaro Usman, and uh, talked to him yesterday. We'll be playing that here in just a bit. But uh, first things first, let's talk about the main event. That's uh, John Jones, the recently returned John Jones, taking on Anthony Smith, defending the light heavyweight title. And um, it's been a uh, drama-free week for John Jones, we still have uh, I don't know 24 hours or so to go, but uh, drama-free in the sense that the fight is still on. However, uh, the test results, the USADA test results for John Jones, have been released in anticipation of the fight. I think released because of the trouble that he's had up to this point, and uh, the the pulsing picogram makes a return appearance uh out of the five times he was tested two times two of those tests have the the bouncing pulsing picogram so the new rationale seems to be and this is the official word is that um that low level of picogram does not give him any advantage in the fight so therefore he will not be sanctioned um that sounds like an argument that you were making a few years ago. Uh, well, it really was. Um, here, again, 
first and foremost, when this test came out, it was only about two years old when they said I had the, the residual metabolites or the metabolites in my system at very low levels, similar to John's. And um, there was no explanation. They didn't understand the test well. And I was poking holes in it at the time. I remember even saying like, okay, so I have these low levels in my system. You came and drug tested me six weeks before my fight. How do I have low level, you know, here at, in, uh, uh, at this date, six weeks and like four days later? And I don't have the parent compound at all in my system before. And that's the part that troubles me is because already at that point, I think they start having doubts in the system of this test. You can see it even in Jeff Davinsky talking now. I mean, he uses response like that's the million dollar question when trying to answer something because they don't know. For you, it was a multi-million dollar question. Multi-million. I mean, shit, I lost my house that I was living at the time. I had to move back to the original home I had. Um, I lost vehicles. I mean, basically financially in every way, it hurt me. And I had to... Well, the worst things I've ever had to do as a man is to ask other people for money and borrow money to keep my kids in school because they all go to private school. I'm sitting there trying not to disturb their life as least as little as possible, getting a kid going from it. And I know that might sound snobbish, like, hey, my, my kid's in private school and now he's have to go to public school. But I mean, there's already so many things going on. I was trying to maintain that their life, okay, as far as that aspect of it isn't going to change as little as possible. So it made it difficult. And the part that infuriates me with this is that right now they still don't understand the test. I mean, shit, just a couple months ago when he was getting ready to fight, you know, uh, for the title after they 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 they, they uh, reduced his sentence because they said, oh, you know, we don't feel like you intentionally cheated. I'm all, so you're telling me you felt that I was intentionally cheating? You know mm-hmm. I mean? Like, what's the difference between the two of us? Um, at that point, even Jeff Davinsky's being asked questions. Dana White's being asked questions about the test. Dana, I think at that point was saying, well, no, you got to ask Jeff. He's the expert. Jeff Vinci's, I'm not the expert. You got to ask this guy. There was really a runaround because once again, they didn't understand the information and they still don't. They, when asked, how long will this stay in John's system? How long are we going to be dealing with this pulsing pictogram of, of, of a metabolite in a system? Don't know. Well, that information would have been really great if you would have listened to me back three years ago when you guys are telling me, well, it, it happened when this, you know, uh, had to have happened within 60 to 90 days. I'm like, well, it can't be farther back. I was told absolutely not. So when people are asking me questions like, well, why didn't you go to arbitration? Well, because I have the scientists telling me that I'm dead fucking wrong, that I'm just some high school graduate, that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, and that there's no way it can go back six months, a year, or a year and a half, that I'm an idiot. Well, I guess I was right. Here, the college guy, I'm like, hey, hey, buddy, so how long has it been in John's system now? Oh, for a year and a half. And he's the most tested athlete that anybody has seen, so he's not introducing new shit in his body. No, absolutely not. So now we're going 18 months right now and going. Mm -hmm. It looks like it could go on for years. So, I mean, we're talking about something that I could have been exposed to or John has been exposed to. Going back years, I mean, especially when you, I try to explain that to people, like the culture of the supplement company before Reebok, UFC fucked that all up for us, we were all sponsored. It was easy. I mean, shit, you get a couple grand a month by having different companies come in. Hey, here's our protein powder. Here's this. And one thing I've always done is that I try not to be that dick that if you sit there and go, hey, uh, I seen you were endorsing this multivitamin. Have you tried it? And I'm like, nah, man, they just fucking pay me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ever be that guy. I'll honestly tell people like, well, I tried it, wasn't working for me, or I did, I like it. You know, 
I honestly take everything that I've ever endorsed. Mm -hmm. And that means there's a lot of things I've taken that I didn't endorse because I took the supplement, work out for a week and go, eh, I don't really think I want to put my name on this. Mm -hmm. And so now I have a situation where I probably would have tried to, even though at the time financially just didn't make any sense, you know, at that time, uh, I had the same manager that, that John had, and I'm being told, oh, it's going to be upwards of thirty to $50,000 for you to go to arbitration because you have to have this attorney and come in. And, uh, and I'm just like, and what are my chances? Of, he goes, well, you have to prove. I'm like, I can't prove. I have no way of proving. Well, you're not going to get your sentence reduced if you can't prove that you accidentally came in contact with something. John still never proved how he accidentally came in contact with something. He got his sentence reduced. Mm-hmm. But again, had I known some of the information they have now, I would have probably fought harder and not just sat there and looked. I remember looking Hunter Campbell, the, the, the CFO and the, the Pharisee, or one of the guys, and telling him, like, I can't stay in the UFC. I don't know how I failed the first fucking test. And then a year later, you guys go and retest the sample that I passed before, six weeks before that came out clean because it went to a, a lab in Southern California. Now you have that transfer to the Salt Lake City lab, which you say has even better equipment, and I still have trace metabolites being found in my system. So then I, I'm like, but you guys aren't listening to me. That still just adds to the confusion of the situation. So I have trace metabolites that like, like now last six weeks. You told me it was four to six weeks. You know, or mm-hmm. the, 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 the 40 to 60 days. So now I can be at the low level six weeks before, and six weeks later, I still have this low level. Like, when does it leave your system? 40 to 60 days. Are you guys not listening to what you're telling me? So obviously, you don't understand the test well enough, and so that's why I had to ask for a release. The part that still pisses me off that the UFC did was that they held me under contract, which they've been known to do to fighters, they hold you under the full term, even knowing they're going to release you at the end of it. You know, they, they did that to Drysdale. They did that to uh, uh, Tom Lawler, who also had, I think, 17 pictograms of some substance in his body. They go ahead and they keep you under contract while you have the suspension. And as soon as it's up, they go, hey, by the way, you don't have a job with us anymore. Which even if they released you and you were still suspended, it still afford athletes the opportunity to start shopping around, looking for another job, going, okay, well, now you know I have – Obviously, the suspension coming up, but you know, I could talk to Bellator, talk to World Series of Fighting, or to PFL. I can go talk to Risen. But at that time, they're like, no, you can't talk to anybody until the suspension's up. I'm all, so you're just adding more stress on me when I can financially start taking care of my family again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and at the time, because you bring up the whole pulsing pictogram thing, and that's, that's the center of all this, it seems like present day, because. Th- that is part of the commonality between you from a number, several years ago now and John Jones now. Because I remember when this happened, it was okay. Trace metabolite, uh, very narrow window when this could have been ingested. But you, as I recall you saying at the time, it was okay. Well, if this comes up now and I don't know where it came from or when it could have come along, I'm four years now. will this keep coming up? Right. And no one knew. Right, no. so that was your argument of, hey, I can't stay in the UFC. No, because I'm, I'm going to go two year suspension, yeah. and then double that out with a six year suspension. Yeah, what if Essentially it comes just up retired again? Me. What if it comes up again? Okay, but now with John Jones, where it was acknowledged some months back at this point that, hey, not only has he tested for this trace metabolite, but this will pulse in his system and maybe there forever and ever. 
they are accepting that yes. and saying, okay, you know what? Because that doesn't give him an advantage competitively, we're not going to right. sanction him. But you you weren't offered that path. No. Well, and, and several things there that I have issues with. One, well, now obviously they're vetting the test a lot more and yeah. they have a better understanding of it. So I get it. I have no malice towards John. I hope that this comes out and fixes him too. He got screwed here too. It's just that I got screwed worse because whereas when John came up positive again with this pictogram, they didn't just jump. I mean, well, the Nevada Athletic Commission did. They said, hey, you ain't having the fight here. And they had to jump over to California and make it work in four or five days. But in my situation, they're telling me that, okay, no, it's only in your system for, you know, three months. So if it comes up again a year later, two years later, how am I supposed to tell them, like, uh, I didn't take anything? Well, yes, you mm -hmm. did. Because, I mean, that's what they're telling me at the time. You took something over the last three months. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And now with John, who has obviously access to more, you know, uh, um, resources resources yeah. than I do financially and from what it looks like, USADA really helped. You know, I think they, I really think they started seeing the cracks in the test with me. And then when it happened to John, obviously, look, I don't take any fault in that. John's the greatest fighter pound for pound in the world. They took more effort to fix him mm -hmm. than they did on me. Here there are, there are a, a lot more, it, it, put it this way, there are a lot more people who have a lot more invested financially in keeping him yes. uh, eligible. That's totally the truth of the matter. And it's not like they're lying or cheating and to try to throw him an extra curve. They're just digging deeper into it, finding out that the truth of the matter is that this test, they don't know. Again, Jeff Davinsky, the million dollar question, how long is it going to be in a system? Mm -hmm. That was never any kind of information that was affronted to me. Never helped me out. So then, in my mind, that's exactly why I said, hey, UFC, you got to let me go. And then I always suspected this. This is like little things that they do always made me wonder. I'm like, did you guys already know that this was bullshit? Because, for example, do you know how many times in that two years USADA came and drug tested me after that? How many? Zero. They never once showed up to my house and I even one time, I think once or twice, didn't sign up for the uh, testing the quarterly thing. And they sent me a nasty letter going, mm -hmm. you better fucking sign up. So they wanted me in the testing pool and I re-signed up into it. Never came and knocked on my door to test me again. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you come test me again? Mm -hmm. Not once, not one time. Now I understand you sit there and go, well, if you weren't going to compete, why waste tests? Well, why have me in the fucking testing pool? If you're not going to randomly throw a test at me, so every guy who gets suspended has a free fucking two-year uh, steroid vacation now. It's like, hey, if you get busted for two years, they're not going to come knock on your door. Do whatever the fuck you want and then make sure that you know the detection times of what you're taking and just get off of it. I think they realize that fighters are smart enough that not, you know, mm -hmm. let's let, not let them use that. We're not going to come once every three or, you know, two or three months, but we got to throw them a test every now and then. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think going 24 months with zero testing starts to make me believe that you guys knew because then if it would have came back again, what kind of, you know, shit show were you opening up? Well, basically the one that came with John where you open it up and go, well, shit, he's still testing positive, this whole pulsing thing. I think they suspected that even before John. And I think they suspected that with me. That's why, like, I've recently sent a letter to the UFC, look, and USADA. I worked with the company for 16 years. I'm not quick to want to go ahead and just sue them, but there are things that I want to get fixed and remedy. I want my name cleared on this. That really fucking bothers the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. To a great deal, it bothers the fuck out of me. 
I want an apology going, hey, look, we did, just tell me what you're telling John. You didn't understand the fucking test, that there's too many other variables and we're learning. Don't tell me that you flat out knew and now you're going back on it. Tell me to my face now that you knew you were wrong, that you made mistakes. The information you gave me is not the information you have now. So you gave me incorrect information. I made decisions to base off my life off that incorrect information. Mm. Yeah, because it, yeah, it sounds like you're wondering aloud, where did the cracks in the system start to show yeah. privately? Because publicly, I think it all came to bear once it affected John I Jones. I think when 12 but, months later, they sent my original test that was the six-week clear test that I passed mm-hmm. here in Vegas, the random when they came knocked on my door at 6.30 in the morning. When they sent that test... Why would you do that? You know, tw- you know, months. You know, it was like I think nine months later to be exact. Mm-hmm. I have to look because I have the paper when they emailed it to me. So I think it was in December, from March, so eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, when you made that call and you made that decision, you're one. You're not randomly drug testing me anymore. Why are you sending my old drug test mm-hmm. back? Oh, you're digging deeper into this. That's great. I'm all for that. Figure the shit out. But how come you're not fucking helping me out? How come I'm not hearing anything? I mean, no one came and let me know that, hey, by the way, John's pulsing. You know how when I found out? I found out when everybody else fucking found out. You don't think that's pertinent information to somebody that was part of your company? Be like, hey, by the way, you know, let's throw out it's just camaraderie or just some type of just the same reason why I also just sent a letter to go, hey, this is my issues here. Let's not go to court yet, but let's point out some facts here real fast mm-hmm. on what my issues are. And this is the problem. And then I get a return back from the UFC, extremely angry letter back, basically stating that, well, you signed that mutual release. You can't sue us for anything known or unknown mistakes that we might have made. I'm like, well, that's pretty fucked up, isn't it? So you, you, why would you put that in the letter that anything that we might have fucked up on where we want to be protected from? Why? And, you know, if you ask me why I signed the letter, I remember the attorney now that I have, he's looking at it, he goes, well, it's not impossible to get around, but we're going to have to jump through some hoops and figure mm-hmm. this out here and, 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 and look through this. He goes, you know, that, that's so weird. They were so aggressive here with making sure that you couldn't go back and get them for something during this. For the this unknown. T- for the unknown. You know, as they figure out shit, you can't come back and get us. Was there already cracks in the system at that point? Did you already kind of know? Did you already have the inklings? That, ah, shit, man, this test that USADA picked up, uh, we don't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Just like Neff Jeff Nowitzki says. They don't really understand the science completely behind it. Let me tell you what Jeff Nowitzki says about Frank Mir and at present day. And this, was, this is what he said on Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, he says that the difference in the Frank Mir situation when he was trying to explain the John Jones situation a few months back is that Frank Mir had the opportunity to appeal and and pay for retesting and all that sort of thing and didn't do it. Um, what I'll throw out, and then I'll, I'll let you react to this because I was around for that discussion uh, with you when all of that happened a few years back and your, your conversations with your manager and all that about the possibility of doing an appeal was exactly what you've said earlier, which is, well, you can appeal it, but you're, you're, uh, minimum, you're, you're still going to get a two-year suspension uh, held up. It's going to cost this amount of money. But none of this pulsing picogram, uh, picogram 
um, doesn't, you know, the, the organization or USADA will acknowledge that this doesn't give you a competitive advantage and shouldn't be uh, factored in. So therefore, the Athletic Commission won't sanction you or Nevada, uh, rather uh, USADA won't punish you. None of that was part of the conversation. And the analogy I would draw is this. It's sort of like saying, well, you know, this this guy that we're, we're DNA testing that's been in prison for all these years, uh, you know, at the time, he didn't make a big noise about his appeals. Mm-hmm. Well, if he didn't have the money to do the appeals and no one was talking about a DNA argument at the time, that's a whole different set of factors. Of course, as the years progress and all of a sudden people are being released Mm -hmm. because there there is a new acknowledgement that, hey, you know what, those tests mean something and those people were falsely accused. Yeah, then it's going to be a whole different bug. Is that that maybe a fair analogy to make to your situation? I think it's an exact analogy where I'm giving information where I'm being told that the proof is that you're guilty. Mm-hmm. The proof that we have now. Now that proof is different information I'm being told now, but I'm sitting there, it'd be like going to a courtroom and going, hey, look, we got you on this, you did it. And I know in my heart, no, I didn't do it, dude. Didn't happen. The, all the evidence says you did that we have. So you either go ahead and you know you can battle this or you know and plead that you're guilt innocent and fight it, and then we'll increase your penalty, or you go ahead and just say you're guilty and now you only do a couple years. You know, in that realm where it's like I sat there and looked at it, I go, okay, well, I can fight this, spend $50,000 that right now I don't know when I'm making money again because at that time, no fighting allowed. Uh, the commentary stuff, you can't commentate, you know, because I had a, a gig going with, um, I was supposed to fly out that Monday when they released the paper that I was, you know, that I had flagged positive. I remember that, yeah, yeah you're going to uh, do the UFC, UFC uh, uh, broadcast desk, right? No, no broadcast so, desk yeah. for you. So I'm sitting there going, shit, you guys are cutting every way I can have income coming in that I've developed over the last 16 years, commentary, fighting. These are the ways that I make money. You can still go and do autographs and whatnot, but right now I'm not the most popular guy because you guys released my name that I have this in my system and it's guilty before anything else. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, now I'm going to take, you know, the only money I have on, on my bank account is the money I just fought. I'm like, shit, do I take that chance? Well, the people around me told me, no, don't mm-hmm. take the chance. You're not going to win. You know, you're not going to beat this. It is what it is. Sorry. You know, in and, fact, and- to the point to where one of the individuals from the UFC tells my manager at the time, he just needs to admit it. He did it. Mm. So with that kind of information, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and, and nah, I'm going to go to arbitration. Let's also realize this, that it's not even like a couple of years later, John Jones successfully appealed it. It's not like he successfully defeated it. It was that there was a reversal in position yes. from USADA on the, the, the pulsing picogram. So it's not even – that's – that's even worse because it's not even like we can say, okay, well, John Jones put – he had more money. He put that money behind yeah, He it. found He'll, the candy he bar he ate that you, had it in there. He yeah. did what you could have done yes. if you would have made the choice to do it. That no, John was, spent all that the money an option. and more and mm-hmm. still didn't get a fucking answer. Yeah. And then he even knew to go back for three years. So I don't know how much money John spent on legal experts and testing all the supplements. And guess what answer they came back with? Hmm. Nothing. They don't know. In fact, the only reason why his suspension got reduced was because, one, they told them, well, they don't feel like the intent to cheat was there. He didn't do it on purpose. 
I was like, okay, well, that would have worked. I would have gone because me having pictograms in my system or low-level mm-hmm. metabolites, I don't think is a case for that I was trying to cheat or even having any advantage whatsoever. Same case you're making with John now. It's no advantage. Well, what advantage metabolites have in my system? Mm-hmm. None. If there are no advantage to him, there are no advantage to me. So the whole essence of us cheating is both in the same category. Um one of the problems with these, with, with I think this whole testing scenario, and this is something that I heard Jeff Nowitzki uh, openly acknowledge on Rogan's podcast, is that the the levels, the minute levels to which they can detect trace elements, these these companies, evolves further and further yes. and further, and because it's a private industry and a competitive business, each each lab or each patent or technology or whatever is striving to be able to test an even more minute level than the one previous. They want to be able to go to their potential client and say, we have the test that will detect the most trace Uh, elements. And that's the problem I extremely have with that because here, for example, two different weight training gyms I train at, they have the ability to make you a protein shake there. They have all these supplements, you open up cabinets, all kinds of shit, right? And this is just in the last five years, two different places I trained at that when you got done working out, they had a whole kitchen that you can go to and make your protein powder. Now, I could be as vigilant as I want. I open up the case, I look at it, go, okay, cool. This is what I'm putting in my body, no problem. What about the fucking blender you just stuck it in? What if the last guy used mm-hmm. a supplement that wasn't fucking approved, made his drink, someone washes it, how, Lab tests all the time come back with false problems because of of, uh, of tainting. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, are you like boiling this shit and frying it? Like, are you like, are you, is this really sanitary as it should be? Or is it just normal? The guy fucking used some soap and water, washed it out, rinsed it, cleaned it. The next guy comes by and he makes his drink. So you're making these tests that are so fucking detailed that now I could have easily picked up a grain of fucking salt in the fucking olympic size pool you're telling me there's not a chance that there's something in there mm-hmm. there is and now it opens up all these doors where like athletes now it's like shit man you got to be careful who you train with what if one of the guys has it in his system how much of it would have fucking affect you it reminds me you know i just had a my annual physical and you do the blood work and everything and i got the letter back that has all the detailed here's how the levels are and all that sort of thing and modern day the way this stuff works is you get the letter and it it will tell you, okay, acceptable range is this to this. Here's where you were. Ranges. Yeah, and there was a little, they do that with you drug know, testing. right? And and but but the old days, you know, there was a time in medical history where they couldn't detect all that stuff. So basically, they either didn't find anything and you were okay, or they did find something and now you've got a 70% chance of surviving. And so as the technology evolved, and that was back in the day of, okay, you've either got it or you don't. Now, technology evolves to the point, and this is the analogy I'm drawing to the, the picogram essentially, is now it evolves to the point to where they can look at it and go, okay, in this category, all this stuff down here is ground clutter. Like, yeah, there's there's little elements of this or that, but that is within an acceptable range, so don't worry about it. If it were above this acceptable range, we would be talking about some kind of treatment, i.e. performance advantage to make the analogy. If that, you see what I'm totally. saying? So, so, so that's, it's to me it's like that in the sense of that was not part of your conversation not at all yeah zero and again i think that somewhere not just in my case i think in the future they're going to have to go to where 
the essence of drug testing is that you're not cheating. You're not getting an unfair advantage, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is, to me, is the, the spirit in which our drug testing occurs in. I don't want athlete A to have an advantage over athlete B. But if these metabolites are such low levels, one, who knows how you're exposed to it, but obviously there's no fucking athletic advantage. And it isn't like I'm saying something that preposterous. That's what they're saying about John right now. Uh, we know he has these pictograms of his body, but if there's no advantage to him as far as an athlete. They're not giving him any athletic advantage. It's the same as you know uh, having marijuana in your system. You can get pulled over and... If you're blood tested and it's in very low level amounts or apply for a job, there isn't zero tolerance in the situations. They sit there, almost most job facilities have like, hey, it just has to be here because we realize that if your fucking roommate smokes, you might have some trace metabolites in your system and you never even smoked. But if you're exposed to it, well, that's kind of the same category. I think we're here now with these drugs because of these pictograms. How do you know what you're being exposed to? It's getting to a point where it's such a small, minute detail. And I think it kind of goes to where now it becomes just a money-making business of trying to catch athletes. And it's really steered away from the essence of, well, he's a cheater. Mm -hmm. You know who you are? You're the Picogram pioneer. <laughs> Never had a nickname. No, I Maybe, might be. Probably don't want to start with that one. No. no. <laughs> ah, that sucks. Well, um, Obviously, there will be more to come with this story, and yeah. we'll keep talking about it. Um, it. As bad as it sucks for uh, for John Jones, uh, I, I think that it probably was really well. It was really vital to the situation to really peel back a whole important layer on it. You know, no, I mean, because if a this lot of had things happened I listen to virtually anybody, I mean, no. you think about lower down the roster. Nope. No. Yeah. Uh, I had an athlete managers reached out to me on social media and I, and I don't even know what to tell them. I'm like, dude, it's a rabbit hole mm -hmm. that also says, hey, guess what? We're being flagged for the same metabolite. And I'm like, I guess I can send over the literature on what I'm getting because a lot of the stuff that I, I get because again he has a lot more money than i do you know chris colabella is that bello is that he's able to have these guys test and he has labs coming through i mean one of the reports on my that i have they're like hey we found that if you have certain ranges of potential for cancer and, and at first it scared the shit out of me because i'm like wait a minute you're telling me i have cancer they're like no but if your genes produce this type of situation it could cause and it will cause a false positive in this i'm like fuck, do I have cancer? You know, I kept going back to that, like, wait a minute, do I need to be worried? They're like, not necessarily, not that we're not saying you might not want to go get a physical again and just make sure, but once again, we're already starting to poke holes and show that there's a lot more ways to get a false positive with this than just having been exposed to the substance, which I'm starting to lean that direction because here with John, with having the UFC really behind him to help him out figure this situation out with USADA, um, you know, they went up to bat to go ahead and move fights over for him. They, they, they do these things, which I'm kind of just piggybacking off of. I'm looking at it and going, well, I mean, the more you scream that he's innocent, the more I'm screaming I'm innocent. You know, you can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. You know, the test itself, you guys are just learning more about it. And the only thing that's changed is your perspective on how to deal with the test. But where does that leave me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, a very important conversation to have, and we'll keep having it here on uh, Phone Booth Fighting. One of the nice things about having your own podcast, Frank, is uh, when you have something to say, you can just say it, 
you can just upload it to the internet and it doesn't get taken out of context and the whole the whole context of the conversation is there and if people want all the information they can just go uh, subscribe and that's actually even going back a couple of years after the the mark hunt fight and the usada suspension i think uh it was nice to, that your podcast was around then too yeah. because we could just sit down have the whole conversation get it all out and it was all and it's still there if anybody wants to go back a couple of years on the archives and listen to it uh they'll get the whole picture well let's talk about some fights then uh speaking, <laughs> on a lighter note. yeah on a lighter note and speaking of john jones uh he is uh defending the light heavyweight title against uh anthony smith this weekend ufc 235 I already mentioned that um jones is a favorite here um obviously but uh any any thoughts on it going any differently than odds makers see it? No. I always thought the, I used to think that maybe Daniel Cormier always had a chance because he's wrestling, but mm-hmm. we've seen that's not the case. Um, and and I, going back, I've always thought, well, maybe Jeff or, or, or um, Gustafsson yeah. possibly has the opportunity to uh, uh, to beat him because of you know he has superior boxing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then after watching the last fight, I'm like, well, shit, if you had to give me a list of guys I thought that might be able to get John, there you go. Um, Anthony Smith's nowhere on that list. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even a blip on my radar of somebody like I'm sitting there going, you know what? That guy might give John a hard time. I really don't see anybody, I mean, besides catching him with a powerful shot, you know, like maybe, a, you know, Anthony Johnson type power where like, well, if one of those lands, there is a chance he's going down. Um, there is nobody I think that can beat him. Are you seeing my Anthony Smith James Horn comparison? Yeah, yet? the the body type. Yeah, the glasses. Have you heard him talk? No, that part I haven't. Yeah, heard. I mean they even have a very similar sounding voice. Yeah, the tattoos. Uh, James Horn, if you don't know, Frank's main training partner. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll have to get James on. So I'd be yeah. what, maybe we get James and Anthony Smith on together sometime. Yeah, yeah that would be funny. <laughs> Some doppelgangers. Yeah, the uh, co-main event is uh, another title affair. The uh, welterweight champion Tyron Woodley defending his title against Kamara Usman. I tell you what, we'll talk about that fight on the other side. But first, give a listen to this. This is a uh, phone conversation I had with Kamara Usman yesterday about his first ever title shot against Tyron Woodley this weekend. Kamaro Usman joins us on the line right now. He is co-headlining UFC 235 this weekend here in Las Vegas with a uh, welterweight title shot on the line. He's taking on the champ, Tyron Woodley. Kamaro, good to talk to you, man. How you doing? I am well, man. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Happy to have you, man. I, first question first, because, uh, you know, I've been watching you progress toward this title shot for quite some time, a 14-1 and record uh, and a 13-fight win streak, uh, never lost in the UFC. So after all those years of building toward this, does it feel like a title shot? Does it feel any different? Does it, does it feel like every other fight to you or somewhere in between? No, absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't feel any different at all. It, it feels just like what I what I've been doing. It feels actually even even more. I'm, I'm more content right now than I was for my fight a few months ago in, in, in November. It feels just normal. It feels regular, and um, I'm just excited. I'm excited that the opportunity has finally came, and it's time for everyone else now to understand what I've been saying for a long time, that I'm the best in the world right now in this division. 
You know, it, it maybe brings up an interesting point because if you think about it, you know, everybody would think, okay, a title shot is going to come with a lot of pressure. But really, if you think about it, every fight you've had up to this point is working toward a title shot. So that means that there's always something else on the line besides a win or a loss. And in this fight, the title's on the line, sure, but it seems like maybe in a way it would be a little bit of a relief that you don't have to think about, okay, well, what are the implications for after the fight because you've reached the top of the mountain here? Oh, yes. Um, you know, my, my mo- biggest motivating for doing what I do is, is competition. And this is the next, this is the biggest competition ever. And so I go out here and take care of him. And I'm just, I'm going to be motivated and still waiting for the next biggest competition and the next biggest competition, because that's what drives me until I decide that, you know what, I no longer want to compete anymore. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize there was going to be this much heat between you and uh, Woodley, but back at the press conference in January, uh, that's really when it kind of became obvious to me. But I've read since that that you've talked about uh, the fact that, that you've been sizing him up for a long time. You always kind of felt you, you knew where you wanted to go, and you kind of always felt like you, sooner or later you'd be in that in that cage with him. Is that true? I mean, is this just a matchup that's kind of been in the back of your mind for, for probably a number of years now, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. The moment this man became champion, I knew that's what I wanted and I knew that's who I was going to get it from because he was the placeholder at the time. I, 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 I classify, I'm, I'm like an unstoppable train. It might be moving slowly, but it's eventually going to get to that destination and there's nothing that can stop it. And that's just what, what this is. Willie has been the placeholder holding on to that belt and now it's time for me to get right well right through him in order for me to get this belt but yes i've been sizing him up for years uh we've actually even been out together and and i have very mutual respect that's the biggest thing is we have mm. I, I believe on my end a lot of mutual respect like i respect him i think he's done great for what he's done but now he's just a guy in my way you know woodley's a guy that can at times in fights start out uh, pretty pretty cautiously methodical. Do you have a feel for whether or not you expect, by virtue of your style, a, like a, a slower, more cautious start from him? What do you anticipate? Well, I anticipate doing whatever I want to do. This is the thing with each and every one of my fights. I dictate what goes on. I dictate the pace. I dictate the, 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 the location of the fight. I dominate the fight from start to finish and i expect no different if he did his homework then he's going to put up a big fight if he didn't do his homework then it's going to be a short night both you guys bring a, a wrestling background with you what what did, what did, how do you see that factoring in uh into the fight in terms of wrestler versus wrestler i think it factors in to, uh in the way that he's going to be able to stay up upright a little bit longer but it is what it is. Like I said, I, I'm, I am the best at mixing it up in this game right now in this division. I, I'm not. I'm not a one-trick pony. I have several tricks. I'm a workhorse, and I, the fact that he is a wrestler that's just going to give him an advantage to stay upright a little bit longer. 
Now, back when uh, uh, UFC fans were, were introduced to you via the Ultimate Fighter Series, that was, of course, the, the gym versus gym season, the Black Zillions against uh, American Top Team. And uh, I, I know that uh, yourself and, and several of the other Black Zillions have, have migrated on to, to Hard Knocks 365. Woodley still has his, his ATT affiliations a little bit. I know he owns a, an affiliate gym uh, out where he lives. Is there st- That was a very intense rivalry at the time. But now that the years have passed, are there, are there any residual effects of that, that the fact that you guys at least have some, some you know, uh, historical ties to, to a rivalry that once was pretty intense? Um, on my end, maybe, but well, he's not really. I know he represents the ATT brand only because his gym yeah. is a, a, basically a, a staple of ATT. That's just an extension of that. Right. But he's not really an ATT guy anymore. He, he's a Rufus sports guy. He yeah. trains with in Milwaukee with Duke Rufus and all those guys. So that's really where he ties up. But it doesn't that doesn't make that doesn't make any difference for me. Yeah. It doesn't I, matter whether you're from this team or that team. When you step in front of me, you will be dealt with accordingly. I don't think he was involved in the infamous sauna standoff from that season. I, that's the thing I always remember about you guys. Yeah. One, of, one of the seasons was the 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 infamous last stand of the uh, the sauna weight cut, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those. We're very prideful with our things and our 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 place. And if if you're gonna come in and there's gonna be a little bit of disrespect, then it becomes a, a bit of an issue. Well, Camaro, this title shot is uh, is very well deserved. Uh, I mean that we've been watching you progress toward this, like I said, for a number of years. It all culminates this Saturday, UFC 235. Camaro's going to take on Tyron Woodley, and uh, also uh, Johnny Bones Jones is going to be uh, defending the light heavyweight title against Anthony Smith. So a title doubleheader on the line, pay-per-view, UFC 235. Camaro, best of luck in there Saturday. Uh, I'll be watching. All listeners will be watching, and uh, wish you the best of luck, man. Thanks for the time to day thank you so much i appreciate the time that was my chat with Kamaro Usman yesterday, taking on Tyron Woodley, a guy who's undefeated in the UFC, Frank. Uh, only one defeat on his record and a win streak that goes back about five years now. I remember first seeing him on the Ultimate Fighter. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who has had a, a slow and methodical charge toward a title shot. Um, I think, unfortunately, he's running up against Tyron Woodley, who uh, is is really good at a number of things yeah i think we had this discussion before i mean basically usman is 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 well-rounded with a strong grappling background you know uh you know wrestled i think division two um but i mean everything that i can say that usman's good at i think woodley's even better at you know woodley's extremely well-rounded with a wrestling background and hits really hard you know um and so i i I don't know if it's gonna be a barn burner of a fight Honestly, I think it has the potential to be an accidental sleeper. Um, I think I much rather would have had, a, you know, um, Colby Covington. Yeah, I would have preferred Covington in there. I think that would have been a much more interesting because Covington's stand-up ability and striking. Uh, I think you know, I see more of a potential there to uh, to beat him. Um, you know, the the one thing that's in the back of my mind about uh, the the Usman Woodley fight, and I asked Usman about this is maybe his best shot might be at pressuring Woodley early a little bit because, you know, Woodley does have a tendency to be kind of 
methodical and calculating in terms of of fights uh uh fairly recently not taking real big chances early on i mean he had that that spectacular knockout of robbie lawler but if you look at since then you know the maya fight the the uh, wonder boy fights uh, can can be a little uh, calculating, which which has led to a lot of his success. But I also think that you know if maybe somehow you can disrupt that rhythm and pressure him, maybe there's an opportunity there. Yeah, you know? and then you, you you possibly run out of the chance of waking him up and, well, and seeing that. the Woodley that sure. that that floored uh, Robbie Lawler. Yeah. No, there's that. So yeah, so yeah, it's always kind of a dangerous thing. Like, do you play the slow dance with him where he'll grind you out, or yeah. do you? put him in a firefight where all of a sudden now maybe you wake him up and make him uh, you know dangerous again yeah you mentioned colby covington now covington after being denied the the welterweight uh shot against woodley and you got to go over the details again how does somebody have the interim yeah. title have it taken away from him and not be the number one challenger right. one how do you not unify the belts yeah i never heard of just dissolving yeah, I, I mean, because then, like, it's like, well, did the interim belt ever mean anything to begin with? To my rec- maybe we just don't use interim belts anymore. Yeah, to to my recollection, and I, it, it's frustrating because the interim stuff has really clouded the picture. You know, I used to feel like I had a really good handle on all this. So and, I thought the interim and, was okay. You're the champ until the champ can yeah. return. But he has to face you. You become like basically the keeper, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and interims used to be so much fewer and further between because they took. Uh, I, as you know, I, I'm fond of saying, "Hey, I remember a time where you you had to have a debilitating motorcycle wreck to right. introduce an interim title." Nowadays, it's just kind of I'm going to be out for a few months, or you know, what my understanding of that situation was. And I believe, you know, to, to, to Covington's point, he's going to say the UFC robbed him of the shot. I think to the UFC's point, they're going to say he didn't take the fight, you know, that he could have taken when it was offered. Woodley himself has not always been available when they've needed him to or when they wanted him to, uh, the UFC. But to my recollection, Covington was not available for Woodley at the time the UFC wanted him. And so they went ahead with this and Covington is saying is protesting that I I think Covington probably this is the way it comes across to me anyway Covington probably while I think he has merit to stand on just in terms of what he's been able to do he may be overvaluing his legacy position or lack thereof with the organization because the UFC to my view, doesn't always look at people that it's not always the end of the argument when they just go, well, who's the most deserving of this title shot? I I think a lot of times there are a lot of other things that factor in and, and sometimes just flat out cooperation with the organization is part of it, you know? And if you've got a guy like Kamara Usman who doesn't have a history of rattling your cage and holding you up and not being able to make a fight when you want to make a fight and things like that. Sometimes they tend to want to just go that direction, especially when you've got, and this is just speculation on my part, but especially when you've got not one, but two people in Woodley and Covington that maybe you feel like you've had fairly recent frustrating dialogue with in terms of trying to get fights made or maybe they just see this as a little bit of a well and i think that they're going to suffer in the end i think the ufc is going to be the ones that that suffer from it because i think that this is a very underwhelming card to begin with uh Hmm. as far as you know woodley's not a huge draw and uh, you know i mean 
unless I've it's changed lately, but you know, Woodley's been criticized for being extremely boring the last couple fights. Yeah. And now instead of putting an exciting fighter like Covington, who could have brought some excitement to it, he might have asked for more money, but you pay him the more money. He's mm. more exciting. He's more out there. Uh, now you're going to have Woodley fight somebody who's probably more quiet and not any more exciting to watch really in, in, in Usman. So now you're going to have those are going to be your, your co-main event. I think that comes into factor when people decide whether they want to pay for it or not. Mm. Uh, am I going to go and buy this? They're like, who's he fighting? What kind of lead up has this had? Is there any kind of draw whatsoever? I mean, to it, to her. Yeah, you do have a situation of, you know, you've got two title fights on the line, which is great. You've got well, and two- you got the problem with John. No one thinks Anthony Smith is really well, no, that a threat. Was, that was going to be my yeah, next so, I mean, point. So, there, so the, your main event's not, it's like, well, we're going to see John fight again, but who's he fighting? Uh, just somebody to go beat up. The That's challengers the, are, are lesser known. Yeah, for so sure. You could you have made a, an explosive fight. The fight you could have made is with Covington and, and Woodley. Yeah. That would have been a buildup to do six weeks before, to do the camera work, to build in. That would have been more intriguing. Covington mm-hmm. gives you sound bites. Has Us been given any sound bites? I mean, to be honest with you, I forgot they were fighting until just the other day. I was driving yeah. down the freeway and I looked up and I was like, oh, yeah, those two are fighting each other, huh? And I got to think that as involved as I am in MMA, if I'm thinking that, I'm sure a lot of other people are too. Well, Colby Covington is, uh, he may not be on the fight card this weekend, but that doesn't mean he's laying low. He um, has made a couple of interesting appearances this week during fight week. The first was at the open workouts for Kamara Usman. He showed up wearing his uh, Donald Trump hat and a little tiny toy microphone, which was funny. Uh, And he's yelling into the megaphone at Usman saying it should have been his title shot. He's got his uh, interim, I guess his now expired interim belt over his shoulder. The guy's not on the card, and he's the most exciting guy of the weekend. Right. Well, he didn't stop there. He then went over to the Palms Casino and live-streamed, I guess on his Instagram, uh, tracking down Dana White. He finds Dana playing blackjack at the Palms and starts uh, disrupting the game, asking Dana why he doesn't have the title shot. And Dana started insisting that he turn the the recorder off, and it was turned off pretty quickly after that. Um, but he's he's going around, and I tell you this: I even got a press. I he's going to get in trouble for that. Well, that is, can that be an issue in casinos? Yes, it's a huge issue. Okay, it's a huge issue. Yeah, you can't pull your phone out near a table game. Okay. In fact, I've done that. I mean, I'm sure any fans of the UFC will know if you see one of your fighters in the casino and you want to take a picture with them. Security doesn't like that if you're near gambling and pulling huh. out. Yeah. I mean, if you sat there and we we're gambling one night and you're up uh-huh. there on the craps table, if I pull my phone out and start texting people, I get told you got to step away. You, you can't pull your phone out and just start. Yeah. You know I mean, how they know what you're doing with your phone, you know? So, yeah, yeah you got to leave. Okay. Recording a table game is, is a no no. Well, that, that appeared to be an issue there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he's even, I got a press release today from. A publicist who's representing Colby Covington, and maybe we'll get him on to talk about this. But the the press release was letting me know all the all the things that Colby Covington is doing this week, and the fact that he had on some sponsor T shirt, and that's who's reaching out. Is hey, you know, uh, would you like to have Colby Covington on because we're his sponsor? If you notice during the video where he's stalking Dana, they didn't say stalking, but where he's tracking down Dana White, he's wearing our T-shirt. So you gotta, you gotta say to this guy. I mean, you know, I, I, I think the whole villain 
shtick with all the MAGA stuff, or I don't know, some people might like all that, is at least he's he's branded it, you yes. know, in a way that, that nobody else has. And then the other thing is the fact that you mentioned earlier, just in our, our other conversation, about how the Reebok era blew out all the sponsors. He's finding a way yeah. to pick up a, a, a low, lower-level sponsor by going, hey, I'm going to be running around yelling at people. Do you want me to wear your T-shirt while I'm doing it? And then hiring a publicist that will then promote interviews <laughs> based on the guerrilla uh, stuff that you're doing. Hey, life changes, man. The social uh, media is changing the uh, the uh, landscape. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll buy it on that press release because I, I got some questions for Colby Covington. Uh, I'm sure you do, too. All right. Uh, <laughs> so there's some fight talk. Hey, how about this Matt Hughes story? Oh, shit. Yeah. Matt Hughes lands himself on TMZ this week, kind of seemingly out of nowhere. And his wife... And his brother both have restraining orders against him. The wife, because she says that he has repeatedly physically attacked her in recent times. And the brother, because they got in a fight over who owned a tractor. Well, you know your country when you're fighting over with your brother over who owns the tractor. But apparently that is something that, according to the brother, led to... Matt dousing the thing with gasoline like he was going to set it on fire. Yeah, and then Matt's nephew. Right, there was a uh, 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 talk about him being physically abusive to the nephew, so there are restraining orders against him. Now, Hughes has come out with a response denying the assaults but saying that, um, in a sense— it's it's sad that his he's become a burden to his family members in the wake of his train accident, and he thinks this is their way of getting him out of their life and unburdening themselves with this person who's somewhat physically and and I guess it's sometimes mentally challenged now because of the 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 train uh, wreck, literal train wreck that he had. Um, you know, the first thing that I thought of when I saw that story, I did think about that train wreck because I thought, okay, well, he's never been accused of anything like this before. He had this horrific car accident with the train and it caused, you know, brain trauma and all this kind of stuff. So who knows what's coming out? Then you start li- in, in, in the wake of all this, a lot of excerpts from his book have come out that Matt Hughes's autobiography, I, I've not read it. I think it's maybe about 10 years old, something like that. But there are some bizarre things in there that he himself is talking about and acknowledging, like basically bullying fights that he gets into. I'm not talking about you and some other drunk at a bar. I'm talking about, uh, and and I don't want to go out too far on a limb or make accusations until I, I I should reread this to make sure I've got all the facts right. But but I did I did read the excerpts from it, and. You know, not only like those kinds of physical altercations, but um, animal abuse, like on a farm. And and I understand farms, you know, you're slaughtering cows and hogs and things like that. But stuff that stories that he told that he thought were amusing that were basically like, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to cut these baby pigs open and throw the insides at you just to see if I can make you throw up. Like nothing that's part of the regular farming process like stuff that uh, obviously for somebody like me raises a big red flag but i think for a lot of medical professionals would now i'm looking at it and i'm thinking you know sometimes 
Could some of this have to do with this accident that he had? Yeah, perhaps. But I'll also tell you this. I mean, sometimes when people have those kinds of issues that just sort of lay dormant, sometimes something can happen that kind of brings them out. You know, it's like when people get drunk or high and they yeah. go, why is that guy such an asshole? And you're like, well, a lot of that's in there to begin with, yeah. and it just sort of brings it out. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think chemicals or injuries necessarily make you different. But I think that, you know, you have certain, you know, they talk about all frontal lobe disorder, mm-hmm. your ability to, uh, you know, to keep yourself from acting on impulses. To govern it. Well, right? it means the impulse was there. You just had enough forethought. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't had weird thoughts before? You sit there going, what would it be like if I stuck my hand in that machine? You know? mm-hmm. So the thought was there, but your brain goes, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Yeah. You know? Whereas now you have somebody who's brain damaged or under the influence of something. And they're like, oh, let me go ahead and stick my hand in the machine. So, I mean, uh, I think it's sad that he has brain trauma like that. But, I mean, I, I guess I'm split 50-50. One, I feel bad for for uh, for Matt for having a mental injury that's causing him to have less control over his anger. I mean, you hear that all the time. People with PTSD or brain damage, their emotions are harder to govern. They, they, they'll they'll, fly, they'll mm-hmm. uh, slash out or uh, rage, you know. Uh, but on the flip side... He is a, you know, I don't know how physically imposing he still is after the accident, but obviously more so than his wife. So, I mean, I guess on her part, just because there's a reason for why he's kicking her ass because he has brain damage doesn't mean it's okay that she gets her ass kicked. Mm. So, I guess in that sense, trying to create some kind of safety for her to create a distance, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I just feel like there's really no winners in this. And I mean, I think I, just, I kind of feel bad for both parties. I feel bad for Matt for getting fucking hit by a train and the damage it's obviously caused because she, she even said that in the paper since the train wreck mm-hmm. he you know has become this person well shit that sucks that you know what i mean that it's not him it's his brain is damaged mm-hmm. uh, and then then on her part I, I do feel bad that you know shit you know she's like well i didn't sign up to get my ass kicked by a professional a former professional world champion fighter you know mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if what he also needs at this point is mental help and i don't mean in the physical therapy sense i mean i'm sure he's getting that but now it makes you wonder if there's not a whole nother component to this where he needs like some serious psychological counseling as well well it's scary because i mean you have matt who's a world-class athlete i mean physically an imposing creature strong uh, as a mule you know uh, you know seven time i think welterweight world champion you know uh and then if you're telling me that he's you know that now he can't fire in all cylinders, I mean, it's almost like he's a dangerous gun. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, it doesn't shoot as much as it used to be able to, mm-hmm. but it goes off sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I realize it might not be as powerful, but it's still a fucking gun, mm-hmm. and you're telling me it'll just, it could go off for no reason. If you just drop it, you know, the the, the, the sear is a little bit fried on it. Yeah, it could happen. I'm like, oh, well, shit, that's, that, that's a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem with Hughes is going to have now. It's like, he you know still knows how to fight. You know, he's a dangerous human being, I'm sure. Um, and if he has brain damage from that train wreck, man, I just feel bad because I remember talking to Matt before. I mean, he's a well-spoken guy, very likable. I never really sensed any kind of, like, if you would have told me this before the train wreck that, you know, he beats his woman, I'd be like, ah, oh, really? I don't see that. But, I mean, obviously people have been wrong before about people, you know, Ted Bundy, everybody thought he was mm. great. But, but that being said, I'm just like, you know, and then again, to reaffirm it, the wife is saying since the train wreck, since brain damage, mm-hmm. he's a different human being. Mm-hmm. And she's not the only one. The bro- his own brother yeah. is saying he's got, it's not even like it's her brother. His twin brother. It's his brother. 
Yeah. How many other people is he close to in the world closer than that? You know, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. I mean, and then if he's attacking the kid, you know, yeah. I think the 15 year old son of Mark or, mm-hmm. or his nephew. He was the one driving the tractor and yeah, getting Mark, yanked off and, and thrown to the ground. It's yeah. not your track. Yeah. yeah. Scary. Well, yeah. Well, then, I mean, that just shows you Matt was never the kind of guy that I would ever in a thousand years if you're saying, oh, he got pissed off by whose tractor it is, so he lit it on fire or, you know, attempted to light it on fire. That just sounds crazy. Sounds like a guy got hit by a train that his mm-hmm. brain, he's not firing all cylinders anymore. No, I don't know. I don't know him, but but I'll tell you, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, another thing, I mean, just, just going back, and I, I should look at this more in depth as far as what's in his autobiography, but, you know, those are his words. So, and, and he knowingly, willingly published them. So if I'm seeing things in there that to me are, are alarming. Yeah, you have to you, put it out to me because, I mean, you got to realize yeah. too, people on a farm have a different appreciation for animals than you do. Even me. I remember uh, my, my sister's first husband, her family owned a farm up in Oregon, uh, cattle, you know, and to see how they treated the animals, like, you know, if, if, if a horse didn't move, it got moved, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, it was, uh, you know, you sit there and go, you know, like even the dog, I went to pet it, like, what are you petting the dog for? I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a dog. Like, no, that's it's a working animal. It's a herd mm-hmm. dog. You know what I mean? Like, no, it sleeps outside. Or, you know what I mean? Just there's a different mm-hmm. mindset of that type of person where you sit there and go, you know, where even I'm like, oh, no, fucking give the dog table, you know, mm-hmm. f- human scraps and just bring him inside. He can sleep in the bed with us. Mm-hmm. I'm a dog person. I like mm-hmm. them, you know. Whereas, you know, their mentality, I can see them being much more cool. So a person like that cutting up an animal, they're not seeing it how we're seeing it. Well, yeah, but but everything you're describing to me is not torturing an animal and laughing. Yeah, like, you're right. No, so, and I didn't hear you say that part earlier, so yeah. I, I didn't know he was torturing the animal. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that was the way it was. It, it seemed to be. Are you giving be, uh, lessons on uh, I know, critical thinking? I know here? the screensaver. <laughs> Jesus, hang on. <laughs> well, we got to wrap it up anyways, right? Yeah, it's too- well, this is what happens when we don't have porno Mikey. Uh, Mike. he, he's off on a, on a job. Well, if he's on a porno site. Yeah, I don't think anybody's gonna fault him. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll look more into it. But uh, I just, you know, I think it's that, you know, even though I'm not somebody that hunts or works on a farm or anything like that, I draw a distinction between okay, are you doing the Native American thing where you're using, you know, every part of what you kill, or are you just being a dick? Yeah. You know, so that I'll 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 decide at that point. Uh, okay, just a couple of other quick things, and uh, we'll, we'll anything uh, you got. Did you watch any of the uh, either the Michael Cohen testimony, yeah. or the and or the uh, the the Trump excursion to North Korea? Would you? think? Yeah, that was a disaster. Yeah. Huh? What all did you think? What did anything um, stick out to you? <laughs> I think if you're a Trump fan, uh, you're either gonna have to really double down hard and put your fingers in your ear. Uh, it, it, I mean. It, I mean, Cohen was his guy, and you know, to sit there and and, and um, to try to defend anything and call him a liar, it's like, no. Why do you think he's fucking talking? They have all his fucking. They raided his office. They have his ass by the balls. So he's just like, look, I'll whatever you want to hear. Because the one thing I think it stood out the most to me, I'm like, well, if he's just making shit up, make that up. That's the biggest thing to make up out of everything. When they asked him about, well, do you know that Trump had, you know, personal knowledge of collusion with Russia? And he said, no. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. So I, I sat there and I'm like, to me, that gave more validity to the other shit that he was saying. Like, well, you know, Trump cheats on his fucking taxes. He, he, he rips people off here. You know, a litany of issues that he, that he brought up. The one that everybody was the, the start of this whole witch hunt is that 
did you allow Russia, did you basically, you know, commit treason? And for him not to, it's like, well, if he's lying to save his ass, they probably, if he's going to make shit up, that's the biggest thing to make up right there. You just go there and leave it alone. You know what I mean? Like, there's really nothing else you need to say. Yeah. The, the, Michael Cohen has credibility issues. I don't dispute that. He's somebody yeah. who has been convicted of lying to Congress, and now he's in front of them again. So I, I certainly give you that. But, but what I'll say about that is this, that, one, he showed up with documents. Those signed checks are going to be a big problem for Donald Trump. Not only the, the, the reimbursements for the hush money payments, because that is a verifiable crime. And the fact that not only did Trump sign one, one of the checks has Don Jr.'s signature yeah. on it and Weisselberg, the accountant, who is fully cooperating. Yeah, he's getting brought in. in they the haven't brought him in. He's coming in when, next week or something? Yeah, they're going to bring him <laughs> in too, but he's already cooperating. Yeah. So, so that's one. And then two, this was pointed out a number of times, and I think this is a fair point, when you talk about those credibility issues with Cohen, and it's certainly a valid point, in mob trials, the cooperating witnesses are not people you would want to invite over for Sunday dinner. They're never going to be the, oh, this person is a, you know, is, is a, uh, uh, an altruistic hero. No, I mean, they're shady characters who are having to testify against other shady characters. Well, I mean, yeah, Cohen is a scumbag who's helped out scumbag mm -hmm. shit go on. But I don't think that if he wants to save his ass, he's giving real information. And if you didn't take that testimony into account, you would never convict a mobster. True. I mean, there'd be a ton of people well, that would have never turn been convicted. turn all the time. Sure. You know, turn over a state witness. Yeah. I mean, that's the expression. He turned over and became the you know, witness for the state. It's like, oh, you know, he's a rat. You know, like prisons filled with rats with lenient sentences because they had to give up information. Yeah. And again, you can't just make shit up because you make something up. And now they go after Trump and they come and find out, let's just say this hypothetically, Cohen lied. He made some shit up. And Trump can prove that he lied. What do you think that's going to do to Cohen's sentence? They'll come back and say, well, fuck you. We're off the table. You lied to us. That's what's happening to Paul Manafort right now. Yeah. He lied, and, and now they're burying him under the jail. What did you think of North Korea? Um, I didn't think much was going to come of it to begin with, to be honest with you. It seems like that charade has been going on since the 50s us dancing back and mm -hmm. forth. Um, but uh, I, I am... Hey, look, when Trump was being elected, I really honestly thought the guy was a savvy businessman. I, I would have said, I'm like, look, the guy's... You know, like even sometimes when they say, hey, he inflates his... his uh, uh, his wealth. wealth, you know, when he when it serves him purposes and he deflates it when it serves him otherwise. Uh, to me, I know you're like, hey, that's being crooked, but I'm like, that's just being smart. Like, mm -hmm. I, I do appreciate people that are, are savvy. But then it just, it, it dumbfounds me. I'm like, well, you could be so savvy in this area and, and, and figure out how to screw people over. You know, he screws the banks. How many times he's, you know, he declared bankruptcy and comes back and buys his own property? Well, some of this could cross over into fraud. And that's where it's, that, that, that's why those tax returns aren't getting released. Yeah. That, you know, it's not that he's um, so humble about his wealth. He doesn't want anybody to find out how rich he is. Like, that's embarrassing. Please don't point that out. That's not Donald Trump. There, there's a reason <laughs> why. He ever that up <laughs> yeah, right, right. There's a reason why those tax returns are not being released, and that's not it. But, you know, Cohen, another thing he testified to, and we'll see, but Cohen said, look, he showed me a $10 million IRS refund check, refund that he got. Jesus. And 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 said, you know, how stupid is the IRS to refund that much money to somebody like me? I also heard something else pointed out, and I had not heard this before, that 
at some point in recent years, Donald Trump qualified for it was called a star tax credit. Right. You had to make less than five hundred thousand or something. Was yes. It? And so if that is the case, best case scenario, if that's the case, he's not nearly as wealthy as he claims to be. But worst case, there could be some fraud involved. And that's something you got to look well, at. Well, then I wonder about that because, I mean, just like when he says, you know, bankruptcy. Well, he never personally has ever declared bankruptcy. Right. It's always a corporate so thing. So it's with business. So maybe his finances run the same way. So you sit there and go, well, yeah, I only own um, $10 million, mm-hmm. but... The corporation that I own over there that's worth, mm-hmm. you know, $4 billion, who do you think runs it? That's mm-hmm. my money. I'm just, you know, it's like a shell game. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll put it over there. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, even when you set up an LLC, things like that, that's to keep somebody. If somebody sues you, right. they can't get you personally and that sort of thing. Look, here's here are the things that I am willing to wager on up to this point not willing to wager on collusion. I mean, there's some other things that are we're way far away or or the the wisdom of impeachment or something. I'm not calling for anything like that, but I'll bet you, you know, a couple yeah, things. My thought on the collusion thing mm-hmm. is, look, did Russia meddle with our election? It looks like it did. They, you know, through the Facebook I stuff. I question about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've seen enough stuff out there. I'm like going, yeah, uh-huh. information war. I'm sure we do it to them too, back and forth. It's just the modern mm-hmm. landscape of how, you know, cyber warfare mm-hmm. type uh, situation. But the far as the collusion part, like I don't think it's collusion for someone to go, hey, by the way, Trump, Russia over here just found this out and they're going to drop this. And he go, oh, cool. That'll help me the fuck out. It probably wasn't his responsibility. He feels like, well, I'm not going to fucking stop it or say anything. I'll just keep my mouth shut. It wasn't anything that he called up Russia and said, hey, can you do this for me? Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. So that's why I don't think there's necessarily collusion. I just think, yeah, was it kind of a turning a blind eye to somebody else doing something fucked up to your opponent? Yeah, it'd be like if you and I are both running for class president and I find out, hey, man, after school, they're going to fucking grab Richard and shave his fucking head. I'm all, I wonder if that'll hurt his chances of beating me. Mm-hmm. I didn't set it up. I didn't do anything about it. But is it really my responsibility to fucking blow the whistle? Here's the thing, though. And it, it will be if it turns out that he had knowledge of a foreign power interfering. That's the difference. It's that foreign power. There have been instances in the past where uh, one side of a general election got like the other side's uh, uh, debate prep book, for example, and they did the right thing and they said, hey, we're not even, we shouldn't have this. It got given to us under shady circumstances. We're giving it back. And that's all the honor system. And that's not something you're going to be prosecuted for even if you didn't give it back. Okay. But, but that wasn't a foreign power giving it to you. The laws are very strict about not only can a foreign power, a foreign power cannot give a candidate anything of value. So it can be money, it could be information, any kind of thing like that. So you could be gotten there. I think what's going to happen is, and I'm I'm with you on most of that, because I think what's going to happen is, can you prove collusion? Don't know yet. Can you prove obstruction? I'll bet ten ways to Sunday you're going to be able to improve to prove obstruction because the everything you that he thought and knew that he could get away with in private business, you can't do as the president of the United States. Guess what? And I'll bet that's going to be a real revelation uh, in, 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 in a lot of ways. And I, probably a lot of that happened before anybody realized what was, uh, what was going on. And I'll tell you one more thing, too, uh, is that does he uh, – when you talk about the, the money, you know, his personal wealth – is he richer than anybody else you know? Probably. Is he worth anywhere near what he claims to be worth? Not even close, I'll bet you. Yeah. And that's going to be the thing. Well, I mean, that's part of his marketing. And, and to me, 
that's the intelligent part that I actually appreciate mm-hmm. that I wish I saw in more areas mm-hmm. where I just feel like I'm like, shit, man, this guy is not winning any of these fucking battles he goes up to fight for. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, I'll, I'll give you credit for being a good con man, but um, yeah, not but not good not one of the things that I want to see on uh, on your resume if you're asking me to vote. And yeah, I'll say true. just I'll say one other thing real quick though about North Korea because I, I I wanted to point this out. You know, I actually think that it is good on the. I explained this to somebody on Twitter. I think it's good on the. I don't fault Trump for being willing to talk to Kim Jong Un. I don't. No, I like that. Yeah. the The issue is this: those these kinds of agreements are built from the ground up. So what will happen is, but you and I are leaders, but before we meet, if we're adversaries, my secretary of state, your whatever version of secretary of state is, all that, those guys are meeting multiple times, and they work out essentially what we're both going to be willing to agree on. So when we meet, yeah, it's important that we're meeting face-to-face, but a lot of that has already been worked out, and we basically already know what we're going to sign a treaty to agree to before we're even face-to-face. Trump isn't allowing that. He wants to be the guy. He wants to go top-down, and the problem with that is you're giving Kim Jong-un something just by doing the photo op with him. That's a value to him. It's not a value to Trump in the way that it is to Kim no. Jong-un because he no. wants to look legitimate. So you get these two guys together, and Un can just yank his chain. It's like being seen with a hot no. chick. I don't think anybody's ever uh, compared Donald Trump to a hot chick, but for this analogy, I will. To Kim In Kim Jong-un's world, I'm with Miss Universe right here. I'm with the President of the United States. So let me get her on my arm, and I'm just going to string her along for whatever I need to to tell her. I'll tell you what did bother me, though. We'll close with this. Uh, I agree. Go ahead. Go. Is the auto warm beer thing. Fuck yes, that bothered the shit out of me. It was disgusting. Now, look, here's my issue. Let me explain what was said in case anybody didn't hear this. Fuck, man. That bugged the fuck out of me, too. Donald Trump was asked about auto warm beer, the the American hostage who uh, died essentially in North Korean custody. They they sent him back to us in a coma, and he died a few days later. Uh, uh, But but he he was already at death's door. And Trump was asked if he talked to Kim Jong-un about it. He said Kim Jong-un told him that he didn't know anything about that case until later till after the fact and Kim Jong-un told him he didn't know anything about his treatment and he felt bad about it and then Donald Trump said I take Kim Jong-un at his word it seems so soft and that's probably honestly my biggest complaint about Trump as the American as our as the leader of the American of America uh the U.S. right um in too many instances, he seems soft against foreign powers. He's done it with Putin, where just like, oh, yeah, well, my guy said this, but Putin said that, so I went with him. I'm like, did you really just emasculate our fucking you know, uh, CIA and our, our foreign observance? What? And then in that situation, even if you want to come to me with the argument like, well, they're trying to negotiate shit, calling him a fucking murderer probably wouldn't have helped out. I'm like, oh, that's fine. You just sit there and go, hey, guys. That's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about it. I've had those conversations where I don't agree with another person. If we talk about subject A, we are not going to agree, but we got to fucking talk about subject B. So instead of me bitching out on subject A going, well, yeah, I, I can see how maybe you were a little wrong about that. Uh, hey, we're not going to talk about it. You know what mm-hmm. I, mean? I would respect that more. Be like, don't double down, I guess, and send like, oh, you're a fucking liar. I can see how at a negotiating table that might be an issue. But when he sits and goes, oh, I thought this. He goes, look, I brought it up. I know what happened. There's really nothing we're going to discuss about this at this time. We're moving forward. Like, I think there was other ways to jump through that without completely just backing down. It's bizarre. It's something that no one even thought was was 
a debatable topic. That's no. the thing. It's like you, you know, and, and you're right. The, the, the argument about, well, should we talk to brutal dictators who have a human rights abuse record? I mean, if we didn't, if we didn't, weren't willing to talk to them about whatever nuclear threat they were, then we wouldn't be talking to a lot of people. And I understand, I understand that, that 100%. I get it. And if you say, you know, the, the answer to that question is, you know, that's a very serious situation that, that needs to be explained and resolved still. And I hope that we're going to get there right now. We're talking about this yes. nuclear threat, and then you know we'll we'll work toward that. I get that. Yeah, because it really un comes away the winner in that because he gets there and goes, Trump says we didn't do it. Look, UN, you know, it's weird. It just it gets him to back up. down. I don't know. And then at the same time, it's like, well, what did we get out of the conversation? And here's the thing: as 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 incensed as that makes me, I don't understand. To me, if you're the one who invited him in, meaning if you're somebody that voted for him you should be yelling about it louder than I should. If you're having a party at your house and I bring a guy that, you know, breaks the chandelier, I need to be more mad at that guy no, than you it do. It does piss me you off because if we go back two and a half years ago, if you said, hey, are you going to vote for Trump or Hillary? My argument was, well, I'd rather not vote for Hillary at all, mm -hmm. so I guess I'll take Trump. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, uh, to me, I'm like, ah, he's the lesser of two evils. You know what I mean? Like, ah, I'll go with that one. Whereas with Hillary, I'm like, fuck that shit. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm not going that way. And then now I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. You look soft. Sometimes. And, and that scares me. As a world leader, like, I, I know there's other people that are the generals and whatnot mm -hmm. that have to be respected. But, I mean, you're the face of the company, basically. If you look at America as a corporation mm -hmm. and you look like a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, that makes me nervous. Like, I like somebody that seems strong. Like, now you see on the Internet they keep posting the picture of Obama standing there with Putin and standing there. And it looked strong. Whether or not how they negotiated back and forth who won, but it's like the appearance of strength. We're a world power. We spend more money on our military than anybody else. I don't understand why we're walking so gently now. You and I mean? you've got to aggressively hold to account the people that you put in office. And and I'll draw this 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 uh, comparison for me. Look, things that I vehemently oppose Bill Clinton on: the Telecommunications Act, the Crime Bill, repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act. Did I think he was a, a better choice than uh, uh, Bush forty one or Bob Dole? Yes, I did. And my vote reflected it. But that didn't mean that when he did things that I opposed, I wasn't try at least attempting to yell louder than any of his detractors about yeah. it because I felt like I had more of a responsibility. Uh, same thing with Obama and health care reform when single payer wasn't on the table. I realize that's not the issue that other people had with it, but that was the issue I had with it. So what I'm saying is this whole idea of, well, I'm a Trump guy, and if I say one thing, you know, if, if, if I really hold his feet to the fire on something, I'm looking weak, you know, because that's the whole Trump thing. Never apologize, never acknowledge you're wrong, never back down. No. To me, if you're a Trump person and if you're, you mean to be America first and make America great again, all the rest of that, you ought to be screaming to high heaven about what he said about auto warm beer because it was, it, it was for nothing. It was just completely out of nowhere. You got nothing out of it and just lost. And all it did was shit on one dead guy and, uh, and the dead guy's parents that are still alive. So how about that? Yeah, All right. Bothersome. Tell them to follow us on social media, Frank. Yeah, if you want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, or Facebook and Instagram is uh, Phone Booth Fighting. Snapchat and Twitter, just Phone Booth Fight. That's it. All right. For Frank Mir, I'm Richard Hunter, and we'll see you right back here next week on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu.